You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. To help us spread the gospel of Jesus, give us a five-star rating. That'll help others find this podcast. In this podcast, we're diving into the book of Revelations with Lynn Cleland. Good evening, everybody. Got a little nervous on the way here tonight. I was telling Pastor Robert and Carrie, I looked at my truck. on the As soon as Melissa and I got in the vehicle, I looked at my truck clock and it said Tyndall 6. I was like, man, I hope Carrie sings a long time. <laughs> it didn't reset itself. Uh, it was ironic this morning uh, when Pastor was talking about uh, the, the Lord being in charge no matter what the situation, no matter what we see on Tuesday, the Lord is on the throne and the Lord's in charge and nothing's going to catch him by surprise. Nothing will catch him by surprise. Uh, I was thinking about uh, the election on Tuesday, and the first thing I thought of was a little bit about what I'm going to speak about tonight, and that is the kingdoms of this world. Uh, The Lord has seen a lot since the beginning uh, of man's, the kings that reigned throughout time, and so tonight we're going to look at a little bit of that. So if you would, stand to your feet. I hate to make you stand back up. If you can, stand to your feet as we read from the Word of God in the book of Matthew. Matthew, the fourth chapter, verses 8 and 9. Jesus was being tempted by Satan in various ways. He knew he was hungry. He hadn't eaten for a while. And then his last temptation begins with verse 8. And the Bible says, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceedingly high mountain. He wanted to make sure Jesus could see everything that he was about to show him. So what was he going to show him? And he showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if what, church? If you'll fall down and worship me. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for the revealing word that you have spoken, Father, through the Holy Spirit, Father. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Father, who helps us to understand. I thank you for your word, Father, and after you give us your word, you help us understand your word, Father, so we can take that word, Father, as your church to the world, Father, and to show them, Father, and to teach them, Father, and to help them to understand, Father. Father, you're so good to us. We love you, Heavenly Father, and we pray it through your Son, Jesus' precious name. Amen. So tonight, you may be seated. We'll begin with chapter 12. Last week, I read through that chapter, but I didn't explain anything. So, beginning in chapter 12, it mentions a woman, and the woman in chapter 12 is symbolic of Israel. The Bible refers to that as the wife of God in Isaiah 54, 5, and 6. It's a picture of Israel in chapter 12. This chapter, church, is what I have said earlier. It's a parenthetical chapter. It's a chapter that 
God is dropping down through John in the middle of Revelations. We've talked about a lot of judgments, and now this is what is called a parenthetical chapter. It's a break, if you will, in the judgments. And it's also a little bit of a hope chapter. John's going to remind, remember who he wrote this book to at the beginning, to the seven churches, and that includes us. John is going to remind the church exactly how all this took place. So that's what chapter 12 is about. It talks about a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. The sun represents here Israel's exalted status before God. And the moon is God's covenant relationship with Israel. New moons were associated in the biblical Old Testament with worship. The 12 stars represents the 12 tribes of Israel. And in verse 3, verse 2, is the Jews, it says that, that being with child, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. The, the Jews have always longed for the coming of their Messiah. And so that's what this verse represents in 2. But 3 Verse 3, it becomes very interesting, and this is where I want to kind of hang out and camp out a little bit and kind of explain what's going on in this verse. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, because this verse will help us understand further verses in Revelation. And behold, a great red dragon. That one's pretty easy to figure out. Red indicates murderous Satan, okay? Having seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. So what does that mean? Seven, ten, seven. It represents governments that Satan has had control over since the beginning of the time. That's why I read the verse in Matthew. He has dominion, not control, not authority, but God has given him dominion over the kingdoms of the world since the beginning of time. That's why he offered those kingdoms to Jesus in Matthew because he had that authority to do that. Now, let's go back in the Bible and figure out what that actually represents. Go to Daniel, the second chapter. Daniel, the second chapter. Verses 31, and I want to show this. Okay, good. Shows up. Does everybody remember this, the statue in Daniel? Okay. So King Nebuchadnezzar is having these dreams. He can't figure out what they mean. So he goes to little Daniel. He went to his, his court. They couldn't figure it out. So he says, Daniel, can you tell me what my dreams are meaning? This is what Nebuchadnezzar is seeing in his dream. He sees a statue. So he asks little Daniel, Daniel, what's that mean? Why am I seeing this statue in my dream? So beginning with verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. This great image, listen to the words here, church. It'll explain everything as I'm reading this. The great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee and the form thereof was terrible. This, head's, this image's head was of fine gold, his breasts and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, 
his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Now notice, church, when you look at this statue, notice how the head starts with gold, it goes to silver, and as the kingdoms appear in our history, it goes from best to worst. Okay? Verse 35, then was the iron, the clay, the brass, and silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, and no place was found for them. And the stone smote the image, became a great mountain, and filled the earth. The Roman Empire, this is key here. The Roman Empire during this time when Jesus was on the earth was never completely destroyed. What happened to the Roman Empire? It was separated. But here in this verse, it says a stone smote the image, the bottom portion, became a great mountain and filled the whole earth, the millennial kingdom. Jesus is the stone. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings for the God of heaven. Listen to these words, church. Who gives the power to kings? Who gives the power to the president? God does. Given thee a king, the God of heaven had given thee a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And whosoever the children of men dwell, the beast of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath given unto thee thine hand, hath made thee ruler over them all. Thee shalt, thou art this head of gold. King Nebuchadnezzar, you're the Babylonian kingdom. You are the head of gold. Verse 39, and after these shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. Which kingdom is that? Medo-Persian, okay? And another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over the earth. Which kingdom is that, church? Greece, okay? Now, I wanna, I wanna preface something here. The two, the two kingdoms previous to these kingdoms were Assyria, or in order, Egypt and Assyria. So we have two, we have one, two, three, four. We've got six, and there's that seven one there at the bottom, the seven heads. Verse 40, and the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, the Roman kingdom, for as much as iron breaketh into pieces and subdues all things, and as iron that breaketh these things shall it break pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, how many toes are there, church? Ten part of the potter's clay and part of the iron, the kingdom will be divided. But there shall be in it strength of iron for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with the miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were a part of the iron and part of the clay, so shall the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, thou shalt mingle themselves with the seed of men but they shall not cleave to one another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Now this is key, verse 44. And in the days of these kings, the ten toes, 
the ten horns. In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, the millennial kingdom. And the kingdom shall be not left to other people, but it shall break into pieces and consume all of these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, Jesus, and that it break into pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, and God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. Now look, it says that Jesus, that rock, will break into pieces. Remember what I said earlier, the Roman Empire was separated. It was never completely destroyed. Jesus' kingdom will destroy that kingdom in the end times, during the seven years tribulation. Now look at Revelation chapter 2, and we've already read this. Verse 27. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and the vessels of potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. That's what Jesus is going to do when Jesus comes and establishes his millennial kingdom. So let's go back to tw uh, chapter 12. Verse 4, Satan... His tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. We're all familiar with that, what happened. We know that, that Herod tried to kill all the firstborn during the time when Jesus was born. And she, Israel brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations, we just read this, with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up into God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness. In the book of Matthew, in chapter 24, Jesus tells them that during the time of tribulation, flee to get out of Israel. In fact, we can just look at that. Matthew chapter 24 Verse 16, Jesus says, Then let them which are in Judea flee into the mountains. And the woman fled, in verse 6, into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God that they should feed her a thousand two hundred and threescore days, three and a half years. Verse 7, And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. Michael's always been fighting with Satan. Look at Daniel, the 12th chapter, and verse 1. I'm not hearing pages. Somebody should bring their Bibles. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to the same time. And at that time, thy people will be delivered. Everyone shall be written in this book. 
So we see that fulfilled here. Remember, Daniel, seal up your words. John, unseal them. So John's unsealing that verse. And prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. So now the great dragon in verse 9 is cast out. The old serpent called the, de uh, the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven, now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which is accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knows that his time is a short time. So he's not gonna be a happy camper when he gets kicked out of the heavenly realm for the last time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which had brought forth the man. Israel has been under persecution for years, for decades. A little nation in the middle of nowhere has been persecuted for years. And it's the result of Satan trying to, to change the plans of God. He knows that the plans reside there in Israel, and he's trying to change that plan. And he's been doing it since the beginning of time. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness and to her place where she is nourished for three and a half years from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth as the water is a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away with the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So these last verses, the Bible says that the Gentiles that are alive during that time period is going to protect the remnant of the Israel, Israeli people. They're going to be sent, as the Bible says in Matthew 24, to the wilderness, and there'll be a protection period for them there for three and a half years. And I think the protection will be a result of the kings of the north, which is Russia, coming down against Israel during that time period. And we'll get uh, uh, into that later on in the book of Revelation. Okay, chapter 13. This is a very interesting book. Now we have the introduction of the Antichrist in this, in this chapter. If you notice the language in this chapter, it's the same language that Daniel uses 600 BC. John will use that same language in 100 AD, which is when Revelation was, was written. It starts in verse 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast... Rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Now, there's some key words here. It says that he came up out of the sea. In the Bible, the sea represents the Gentiles. To the Jews, it meant evil. So, in my opinion, 
This is the Antichrist coming up out of the sea, which represents the Antichrist will be a Gentile. Later, we'll get to the false prophet, and I believe the false prophet says he's coming up out of the earth, which in this verse represents Israel. He'll have the affiliation with Israel to do the persuasion of rebuilding the temple, but we'll get to that. But here's what's interesting. He has seven heads, ten horns, upon his horns, ten crowns. Now, the first dragon had seven heads, ten horns. Now, this will make your head hurt, so you've got to follow here. Seven crowns upon his head. So Satan, as the dragon, is the head of seven nations that we talked about, ten horns, the ten toes of the statue, which will be the ten nations of the reborn Roman Empire during this seven years of tribulation. Right now, I think there's 19 in the European Union. The Bible says there'll be 10 when this time comes. So he has 10 horns and then he has seven crowns, which represents Satan is in control of these countries. Now he's going to delegate his control to the Antichrist. Okay, you follow? Because it says he has seven heads, ten horns, but upon his horns are the crowns. So the ten horns means the Antichrist is going to be over those seven nations. He'll have rule over those seven nations. The ten horns will represent the ten nations within the revised Roman Empire. And then the crowns upon his head, the ten crowns, will represent the crowns of those ten nations in the revised Roman Empire. So the Antichrist will have authority over that. But where does he get his authority? From the dragon, from Satan that we mentioned here previously. Okay? So let's read on. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were that of a bear... And his, mouth of, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Now, we've got some animals mentioned there. So we've got to decipher that. Let's go to Daniel, the seventh chapter. Now, church, remember how John lists the animals. He says, leopard, bear, lion. So he's looking from future backwards. Now, watch how Daniel lists those animals in chapter 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions in his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spoke and said, I saw my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up on the sea, diverse from one another. Now, Daniel mentions these same animals, but in reverse, because he's looking to the future. John's looking backwards. So he'll just mention them in, in reverse order. The first was like a lion, had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet of a man, and a man's heart was given to it. 
And behold, another beast, a second like a bear. And it raised up itself on one side and had three ribs in its mouth and between the teeth of it. And thus said unto it, Arise and devour much flesh. These are nations, church, that Daniel's talking about. And these nations overcome other nations. So that's why the bear has three ribs in his mouth. Okay? After this I beheld and lo another like a leopard, and which upon the back had four wings of a fowl, the beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. And this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. What does that represent? The Roman Empire. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom we were before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes, listen to the description, church, were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days, which is God, did sit, whose garment was like white as snow, and the hair of his head were like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wills as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands and thousands administered unto him, and ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. And I beheld them because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. And I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body was destroyed and given to the burning flame. And concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away and their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Verse 13 in chapter 7. I saw in the night visions and behold one like the son of man came in the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and brought him near before him. And there was given to him dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all people, nations, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, that which, which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, the midst of my body, and the visions my head troubled me. They trouble me too, Daniel. I come near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation. These great beasts, verse 17, church, which are four, are four kings, which shall rise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever and ever. We're going to come back when Jesus comes back and we're going to... Uh, reign with him in his millennial kingdom. Then I would know the truth of the four beasts which diverse from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devour, break in pieces, and stamp the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn had eyes, and a mouth that spoke very great things." whose look was more stout than his fellows. 
I beheld the same horn made war with the saints. Look at verse 7 in, in chapter 13 of Revelation. It's the next chapter, but I just want you to see this. 13.7, and it was given unto him to make, what church? War with the saints, and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. The very same language Daniel's using. Daniel, seal up your words, John, unseal them. Verse 24, and the ten horns, we're back in Daniel now, chapter 7, verse 24. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are the ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he will subdue three kings of those ten kings in that revised Roman Empire. And he shall speak Antichrist. Great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time, three and a half years. But the judgment will sit, they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it until the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom of the whole, under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints and the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. We just read that. And all dominions shall serve and obey him. So this Antichrist that we see here at the beginning of chapter 13 is going to receive his power and authority from Satan. Okay? Remember, as I, as I have here, Satan's just tossed out of heaven. Now we have the Antichrist coming on. He'll be over this ten-nation empire, this new revised Roman empire, Daniel 2 and 7 that we just, uh, just read. In, in the Greek, the beast mentioned here in 13 is translated wild and dangerous. That's the translation of that word, the original translation. Now let's read in 2 Thessalonians about this guy, this Antichrist. I know I'm taking you all over the place, but church, I warned you that when you study Revelation, you're going to get taken all over the place. Because remember, 65 books dumped into 66. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 8. Here's what Paul has to say. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Do you know what the word perdition means? A state of eternal punishment and damnation into which a sinful and unpentant person passes after death. That's what Paul says the Antichrist is what's going to happen to him. And it's exactly what's going to happen to him. Verse 4. Who opposes, we just read these, these words in Daniel. Who opposeth, 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 and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. 
And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. What's, re, what's withholding, church? The Holy Spirit is withholding. The Holy Spirit is holding this back. And the Holy Spirit is where? It dwells in us, believers. The us is gone. The church is gone. Okay? Verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only now who now letteth will let until it's taken out of the way, and then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. If we fast forward in Revelation, when Jesus comes riding on the white horse, that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to destroy him with the word and sword of his mouth in the brightness of his coming. That's exactly what the words say. Okay, let's read further. So now, does everybody, I want you to understand, do you, does everybody understand the seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns? Okay? So the first, the dragon has seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns, represents Satan's dominion over the world kingdoms. And then the Antichrist will have that same authority from the dragon, Satan, in this revised Roman Empire. Okay? All right. Verse 3. And I saw one of his heads as if it was wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. This is interesting. Some people translate that, and they'll say, well, this is mimicking Jesus' death and his resurrection. So Satan's going to do, the Antichrist is going to do, he's the Antichrist. He's going to do the same thing. He's going to appear that he's dead, and then he's going to be revived. It could mean that. I don't think it means that. I think what is in reference here is the sixth kingdom, which is Rome, was hurt, wounded, and it will be revived again in the end times. I think that's what that means here, exactly. I did a lot of digging on that, and I, I, I firmly believe that that's what that means. The deadly wound is healed, and the world wondered after the beast. Verse 4, and they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, who they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given to him to continue 42 months, three and a half years. And we just read in Daniel about who this person's going to be and how that person's going to act. Verse 6, he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God. What is the one sin, church, the Bible says cannot be forgiven? Blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to blaspheme God. Verse 7, and it was given in him to make war with the saints. We just read that in Daniel, to overcome them. Power is given to him over kindreds, tongues, and nations. Verse 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose name was not written in the book of life and of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man hath an ear, let him hear. You notice the words that are missing there? Remember when we were talking about the churches? It says, the Spirit says to the churches. 
That's gone. Why is it gone? Church is gone. Isn't that odd? He left that out. It's the exact words, if any man have an ear, let him hear. But the Spirit says to the churches, is not there anymore. Because the church isn't here. It's been raptured. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 10. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. Okay, now, verse 11. We got another beast. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he speaks like the dragon. So we have another beast that is getting his authority from the dragon, just like the first beast. Now, who are these three? Now we've got three. We've got a dragon. We've got a beast coming out of the sea. And we have a beast coming out of the earth. Well, let's fast forward. Let's go. I love it when the Bible tells us who it is. Go to 16, Revelation 16 and 13. The Bible says, and I saw three, and we'll get to this, unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of false prophet. Now we have three. Why do we have three? Because like I said, I believe last week, God has three. He has a triune. Satan's going to have a triune. Satan wants to be God. Antichrist wants to be Christ. False prophet, Holy Spirit. And during this time, church, of these seven years, this will be your, you hear this talked about, your one world religion and one world government. Because who's going to be in control of it? Right here. This will be the triune in charge of those things during this seven years. Verse 12, And he exercises all the power of the first beast and causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast. So the false prophet is going to go around telling everybody to worship the Antichrist, whose deadly wound was healed. Now let's just go back to Matthew 24, 24. I think Jesus predicted that, didn't he? He did. Remember I said Matthew 24 is the mirror image of, it's the many, if you will, of Revelation. What did Jesus say in 2424? There shall be arise false Christ, antichrist, and false, what church? Prophets. He told us already. And shall show great signs and wonders. Verse 13. Look at there. Just identical to the words. Inasmuch that if it were possible, who will they deceive? The very elect. So Satan's job during this time with the Antichrist and the false prophet is to deceive, steal, kill, and destroy. That's his game. And he'll have complete authority and domain during these seven years. And church, can't you see it? with what we're seeing in our world today. 
Can't you see them refusing to worship God no matter the judgments they see taking place and worshiping Him instead? Because He'll show them signs and wonders and they'll believe that He is the Christ. Okay? Verse 14. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles. Jesus has told us that which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. This is getting interesting. That the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many that would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So during this time period, if people decide... I'm not going to worship him because I believe that he's a false Christ. The Bible says you're going to be killed. It says it right there. You'll be killed. 16, and he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond. You will not have a choice, church, if you're alive during this time period, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. You have, church, I want you to hear this tonight. You have a choice right now tonight. You have a choice. There's coming a time when you won't have a choice. Before you leave the building tonight, if you have not accepted Jesus, you have a choice to accept him. If you go through this seven years, you won't have a choice because it says right here what's going to happen if you decide I'm not going to worship that. Verse 17, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is 603 score and six, 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 six. Probably the most famous thing in the book of Revelation to everybody in the world. What does that number mean, six, 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 six? I don't know. It means there's probably, as I read, 666 different opinions on what that number means. I think that's what it means. It just says that the Antichrist, remember what God did with the 144,000 and the two witnesses? What did he do to them? He marked them on their forehead. Do you remember that? What's Satan going to do? Mark them. He's doing the same thing. Church, Satan doesn't create anything. He copies everything. He's not a creator. He's never created anything. He's a copycat. He's copying everything that God does in reverse to the evil side. That's all he does. And that's what he does today with us. He deceives us. He tricks us. He gets you thinking. He puts thoughts in your head that's not true. He's a deceiver. That's his game. He's trying to get you off of your game when you're following God. And that's why it's so important. Pastor talks about this all the time. It's so important to meet when the saints meet. That's where your strength comes from. Your strength comes from each other. We all strengthen each other. Iron sharpens iron. 
That's why we assemble. That's why we learn. What did we read at the beginning of this study? My people perish. God says we perish for our lack of knowledge. If we have knowledge and we see what God's telling us, then we can avoid the lies that Satan tells us. We have to avoid what he's trying to tell us. Every little thing we go through in life, he will put things in your head to make you think they're worse than what they really are. He does it every time. And you know it and I know it. He's done it to me, he's done it to you. And this is exactly what he's going, his whole game, Satan's whole game is to be worshiped. He said it to Jesus when I opened this tonight. I want you to bow down and worship me. That's what I want. That's what he's always wanted. And in my opinion, that's why God kicked him out of heaven. Because he wanted to be equivalent to God. And God says, you're not me. And so therefore, you go there. That's exactly what happened. And on the way, he says his tail took one third of the angels with him. And that's what we have to deal with here. And if you don't have God in your life, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. That's where our strength comes from. If we don't have God, we're up against the dragon and the third of the angels that he drug with him. But during this time, it says the Holy Spirit's going to be taken out of the world. The church is going to be gone. Can you imagine how horrific that's going to be? It's going to be horrific. Church, look at what we're seeing now in the world. Let alone when the good people, per se, are taken out. Amen? Amen. Verse 14, I put this up there, I should have put it up earlier, but it's just a representation of the animals that we talked about earlier. Okay, verse 14, verse 1, and I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion, and with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. Church, do you remember the 144,000 that we talked about in chapter 7? They were sealed with God's seal on their forehead. How many, So I need some help here, how many does it say right here is standing with the Lamb, which is Jesus, on Mount Sion, which is in Jerusalem? How many does it say is standing there with him? 144,000. It doesn't say 143,000. 999, it says 144,000. Jesus protected because he sealed all 144,000 of those saints that he marked. Now that's important. I want you to see this. I, I believe the Holy Spirit just dropped this in my lap. Look at John, the 10th chapter. Verses 28 and 29. This is Jesus speaking, because it's in red, that's how I know. And I give unto them eternal life, they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which is exactly what verse 1 says in chapter 14, which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them 
out of my father's hand. When Jesus has you marked, when Jesus has you sealed, no one, the Bible says no one can pluck them from the father's hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's, that is so comforting, church, to know that when we belong to the Lord, you belong to the Lord. Nobody's going to pluck you from his hand. Praise the Lord. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and of the voice of great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. Now, I believe, church, if I back up into uh, verse 1 here, the 144,000 were not slain from the world. The Antichrist didn't slay this 144,000. I believe they're standing there on Mount Sion with Jesus in the millennial reign. I believe that's what that means right there. And that all 144,000 were brought back to them, him because their mission was complete. They had did what God had put them here for, and he was, they were all returned to Jesus to start the millennial reign. Okay? Verse 3, and they sung as if it were a new song before the throne. Now they're standing on, this is important, they're standing on Mount Sion, but they're singing a new song that can be heard at the throne. Don't let anybody ever tell you that our praise and worship here is not heard before the throne. When we praise and worship, it's heard before the throne. It's heard before the four beasts. It's heard before the 24 elders. God hears our praise and worship. Amen? Verse 4, these were those who were not defiled with women. I got to catch up here because I'm behind. And they follow the Lamb wherever thou he goeth. They were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they were without fault before the throne of God. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, to every kindred, tongue, and people." Let's go back to Matthew 24, Matthew 24, 14. See what that says. Identical language. God's going to ensure that the gospel is heard by everyone. 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world for a witness into all nations. And then what will happen, church? The end will come. And we're almost at the end. We have seven more bold judgments and we're at the end. So this angel in verse six, it says another angel flying amidst the heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to them on the earth, to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. It's exactly what Jesus said was going to happen in 2414. Saying with a loud voice, who does he say to fear, church? Fear God. He doesn't say to fear the Antichrist. He says to fear God. Now, you would think he would say, hey, listen, you got the dragon, the Antichrist, and the false prophet down there. You need to fear them. He doesn't say that. He says, fear God and give him glory. 
for the hour of his judgment. For those who say that Revelation is not a judgment book, it says it right here. For the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made the heavens, the earth and the sea and the fountains of the water. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. We're going to get to that. The Babylonian representation in the Old Testament of government and religion is going to, I've said this before, is going to be destroyed. God's going to destroy both of those when we get through the end of Revelation, okay? That the great city, because he, she has made all nations drink of the wine of wrath of her fornications. Down through time, that Babylonian system of religion and government, people have partaken of that system. And that's what is in reference here. The false system, the Babylonian system, will be destroyed by God. And, and the drink, it says that she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. That's exactly what that means right there, okay? Because many people down through time has partaken in that false system. And the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive a mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. It's coming, church. The seven bowls are defined in the book of Revelation as the undiluted wrath of God. This wrath will come directly from the throne of God. And so the angel is warning earth, this is your last warning. The Lord is coming. Listen to me, church, I want to say that and I want to emphasize that tonight. The Lord is coming. He's coming. His time to return is imminent. If it doesn't happen in our lifetime and you leave this, you still have to face judgment. Do you hear me? His return is imminent. I want you to hear that. Judgment is coming. God has watched sinful man way too long, and he's getting ready to judge the earth as a result. The unrepentful man is going to be judged. Verse 10, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. This, this seven last bold judgment, church, when we read this, it will remind you of the words that we read for the description of hell. It will be horrific for people left on earth. It will be the worst that you've ever seen. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they shall have no rest day or night. Same description of, of Hades. Who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receiveth the mark of his name. Once you receive that mark, there's no turning back. You're done. But think about it, church. If you don't take the mark, you starve to death. That's your choices. Take the mark, die, tormented the rest of your life. Don't take it. It says you can't buy or sell. You'll starve to death. 
Those are not good choices. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Verse 12, here's the patience of the saints here and that are to keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, yes, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. <coughs> and I looked and I behold a white cloud and upon the cloud one set like unto the Son of Man having his head having on his head a golden crown, and his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust the sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap. The harvest of the earth is ripe. Now is this to save? Is this a harvest to save? No, this is a harvest to judge. This sickle represents a harvest to judge. The unbelievers that are remaining now, it's time to judge the unbelievers. And they're getting ready to get judged as we get into the next chapter. Verse 16, And he that setteth on the cloud thrust his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and the blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horses' bridles, by the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs. That number, church, represents that the punishment, the battle that's going to get ready to take place in the Battle of Armageddon, the bloodshed will be horrific. Okay? It's not to be taken as a literal number. But the bloodshed during that time period and that war will be tremendous. Verse 15. And I saw another sign in heaven, and the great marvelous seven angels having the seven last plagues. For in them is filled up the wrath of God. Church, isn't that a scary few words? The wrath of God. The wrath of God. They're going to receive the wrath of God. Can you imagine to allow the judgments that are going to take place from God himself to have to go through that? I, I can't imagine that. And I saw in verse 2 that were a sea of glass mingled with fire. And then that had gotten the victory over the beast and over the image and over his mark and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses and the servant of God and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy way, thy King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. Again, the focus here is on God. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony of heaven was open. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. 
And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials. The vials are shallow bowls, church. They're not deep bowls, they're shallow. So when you pour from a shallow bowl, it's easy for that judgment to come out. So they'll just tilt that shallow bowl and there comes the judgment. Full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. God has said, nobody gets to come in because here comes my last seven judgments. No angels are allowed in here. No man is allowed in here. This is it. Okay, verse 16. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. So God has now given the commandments to the angels to go ahead and administer these last seven judgments. And the first went, and listen to these descriptions, church, poured out a vial upon the earth and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast. So only those who have taken the mark of the beast gets this first one, and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, (coughs) and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea, very thick, how do you say that, congregulated? Congratulated blood, very thick blood poured out into the sea. And remember earlier we talked about a judgment that was going to make the sea red and kill a third of the living things in the sea. Now we have another judgment. And these judgments mirror somewhat the judgments that took place in Egypt, if you remember those, during the times of Pharaoh. Verse 4, And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers, and the fountains of the waters, they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which thou art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and now he's going to make them drink of the blood which he's pouring out on earth. For thou art worthy. Verse 7, And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, Almighty, true and righteous are are thy judgments. Verse 8, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and the power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And the men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed even after these judgments. They're still blaspheming God. They're still refusing to obey God, even after all of these judgments. Remember what God said to Noah, church. Man's heart is always bent on evils. I'm going to destroy everybody. And it's the same here. Regardless of what they're going through, they're still refusing to obey God. We even had an angel flying through the heavens announcing to obey the gospel, and they're still refusing. Man still refuses. <clears throat> At the end of verse 9, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. Verse 10, and the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the sea of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. Thank you, brother. 
and they gnawed their tongues for pain. What does the description of hell say? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 12, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. The, the river Euphrates is the separation, if you will, of the east and the west. If that's dried up, it takes that barrier down and allows people to pass through freely from one side to the other. And that's going to be important as we read further. That the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, now the mouth of the beast, and now the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of the devils, working miracles which go forth into the kings of the earth of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Church, I believe exactly what's going to happen here is these demonic spirits coming out of the, the, the frogs that's mentioned right here are going to be associated with media. There's going to be some type of a mass amount of information that's being disseminated to these different countries to come upon the nation of Israel. I believe that that's what's going to happen during this time. In verse 15, behold, I come as a thief. If you're a child of God, God never comes as a thief. You're always ready for him. But for these unbelievers, he will come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the, sun, from the throne saying, it is done. The seven judgments have been, have been cast upon the earth. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as not when since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came into remembrance before God, to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hell out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, which is about a hundred pounds, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of hell, for the plague thereof was exceedingly great." Next week, I want to go back through and explain some of those verses uh, when we resume. It's time for me to stop. It's a little bit after seven. Every, I want to offer a, a salvation call, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here tonight and you have not accepted Jesus, I don't know the hearts of people that are here, but as we've discussed, church, you don't want to be left during the seven years of tribulation. We want to know God and we want to be able to go with him when he comes back to take his church. But if you have not done that, if you came tonight and you have not accepted Jesus, or you're not sure, you're not sure if something were to happen to you tonight, you're not sure exactly where you would go. Where would, where would you end up? If that would be you, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. All minds and hearts are clear. Father God, I thank you, God, for your, your word that reveals, Father, truth, God. I thank you for this last book, God. God, I ask that you be with us, God, as we leave, God, and I ask that your spirit, Father, continues to guide us, God, and to, 
to show and reveal, God, the truth that you have in your word. And I pray through your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast.